Love podcasts? You'll love Podcast Magazine, taking readers into the lives of today's leading podcasters and beyond the microphone of the shows fans love. Each month, Podcast Magazine's dedicated writers share personal interviews, industry happenings, exclusive categorical charts, and independent ratings and reviews of under-the-radar shows. If you listen to podcasts, subscribe now at podcastmagazine.com and grab a free lifetime subscription while you can. That's podcastmagazine.com. On today's episode of Reinvention Radio. People make a, and, and especially people in the internet age, make huge mistakes in their business. And that is they sell one or two products only. It's available. And, and they get very protective of, of their domain. But it's foolish because if you look at anybody's domain, nobody is making more than 3 to 5% penetration into any market. This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher hanging out with the lovely Mary Goulet. Hola, Mary Goulet. Yeah, I feel like you're so far. I, gotta I know. Move. Like, how did you get all the way over there? You're well, like so far. I moved so I didn't bang my knee on I that know, leg. Dang table here thing. Richie Ote, what's up, my brother? How are you? Excellent. Good, good, good. Wade's got it under control in the studio. Kelly's got it under control back at headquarters. And here on Reinvention Radio, we are lucky enough to be joined by the one and only Bobby. 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 What's up, Bobby Sterling? How you doing, man? Very good. Thank you. Nice Thanks and close so to that mic. Nice and close to that mic. Come I'm, on I'm in. Trying, lean trying. in. Even get more. A, huh? Even more. Okay. Close to that mic. Put it right up. Right my up nostril. there. Exactly. Okay. Straight up well, into. You know. I've All got right. It. So, um, so lots of ground to cover here today, and uh, and I want to make sure that we have ample time to uh, to dive into all the fun stuff that you uh, that you are up to. Uh, but I just have to get a quick reminder out because uh, this should hit even before it will hit before our official uh, launch party. We're doing a launch party for Podcast Magazine. And we, uh, we do still have some tickets available, and we'd love for you to be there. It is an open invite to the public. And so in San Diego, the evening of March 9th, we're doing the official launch party of Podcast Magazine. Would love to have you there. Podcastmagazine.com forward slash party. Has the fire marshal been warned? The fire marshal has not <laughs> been warned. I'm working on lasers right now. That's, that's, what, that's what I'm working on. I'm working on lasers. You know, oh, that's, uh, I want lasers <laughs> with the fog machine and the whole nine. I saw my, my buddy Alex Moscow just did an event, a uh, really good event. Uh, I love what some of these youths are doing. These, I, I love learning from the youths. They're, they're, they're up to amazing things. Young guy, super smart, super capable. He just did a really good event, smaller, smaller event. Actually, his, uh, his event is called Small Event, Big Profits. Um, oh, small nice. Events, Big Profits. And, um, it's like a hundred person event, but you, you would have thought it was a, you know, a 2000, it was just, he did a great job. So I looked at some of the videos and whatnot. And I'm like, well, I want to model some of that. So, you, you know, I'm going to need a commission on the name of his event. Did you, did you come Tw up with 25 that? 25 years ago. Here I we had, go, Bobby. I had a training program called small business, big profits. Ah, well, so. uh, Alex Moscow, M-O-S. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'll let you reach out yeah, to Dan. He might have not been born yet. Yeah, right. Hand, right. Handle your business. That was, uh, that was Bobby Sterling version 0 0.11 or something yeah, like really. that, right? Dark ages, right? Yeah. So come, come hang out with us. 
podcastmagazine.com forward slash party. Uh, there, are some t- there are some tickets available uh, under general admission, which are free. Uh, and then I know we've got uh, tickets for VIP as well, which include a copy of the magazine. And, uh, and so, Bobby, there, there it is. The, the podcast, you are looking at it. Beautiful. You, you've been able to touch it and feel beautiful, it. Beautiful, beautiful, And so on. Beautiful. So, um, so I'm sure you have a lot of ideas around what we can do with a product like this and how to, how to best leverage it because that's, that's your area of expertise, right? So I, I just want to I want folks to understand where, where you came from in the work that you're doing now because so much of what you're doing now is, is like there, it falls under what I guess might call sort of the business blind spots, which are those areas of business that like most of us don't even think about. And you're really good at helping people leverage assets in ways that most entrepreneurs don't even think about. So, t- so take us back uh, as far as you want to take us back. Because what are you, 85 now? I mean, you're yeah, pretty old. Yeah, so close, right? Yeah, yeah. then we only have like no, 42 eight, minutes. I'm, it's 84 and 11 months. 84. All right, so you're not quite 85 yet. Good. Right. So before you die, just uh, let's uh, let's get it in here real quick. I got 42 minutes. Be, <laughs> so we have a defibrillator. We got a defibrillator. Okay. If you can spell defibrillator, you can All have right, it. All right. So let's let's go back about 30 years ago. Yeah. Right. Okay. And uh, I got my entry into the world of marketing by becoming a copywriter, and um, it was kind of interesting. I'm trying to think how it happened. Were you writing your own stuff, or were you writing for other people? Uh, I started writing for other people, and what happened was I was working uh, as a system analyst in big computerized systems for major banks and financial institutions, hmm. and I was asked to rewrite a manual. It was a manual that came from IBM, and it was written by engineers, and nobody on the team could understand it. It mm-hmm. was so Tech full talk. of jargon. Yeah. So I wrote it, and I wrote it in a friendly way, and you know, very accessible, and they liked it. And then uh, somebody from the PR department, um, at the time it was a bank called Security Pacific. I totally remember that. that. Which was then bought out by Bank of America. Yeah. They said, well, hey, would you like to write a press release for us? I said, sure, what is a press release? (laughs) You know, (laughs) so they showed me, and I went out. And and in those days, you went to a bookstore. Mm. So I went to, uh, I think the... You didn't go to the library and, and pull up microfiche? <laughs> <laughs> Card catalog? Not, not quite. That's right. So I went and I got a book on, on writing press releases. And um, so I, I wrote the release for them. And I made, they paid me a lot of money. And I thought, wow, this is a lot easier than working with teams of programmers to solve these big problems. And it's boring and it's dry and nobody wants to do it, Mm. I'm going to become a professional writer. Mm. So at that time, the way you got jobs was you went and you put a little ad in Ad Week. And my neighbor across the street was a a creative director for a major ad agency. And he said, you can't put an ad in there. You don't have a book. I said, what's a book? (laughs) And he says, well, a book is a book full of all your samples, all the things you've written for everyone else. Mm. I said, well, how do you get a book if you don't get started? Yeah. He said, well, you have to go work for an agency. You have to start in the mailroom and work your way up. I said, eh, I'm going to try it anyway. To be a writer. Right. Wow. So Start in the mailroom to be a writer at an agency. Yeah. Well, that, that used to be the old path. Mm. So... Basically, what I, I put kids, a little ad in. Our kids have it too good. Oh, yeah, right. man. Yeah, they, they have no they idea. Because they don't know what they can't do. Right? 
They they're just going to do it anyway. They don't even know what microfiche is. Like, I'm bothered that I actually know what it is. <laughs> like, now that I'm saying it out loud, like, I remember doing that, moving the thing left and right and oh, center yeah. and up and down Absolutely. and trying to fling through there to find one date on a newspaper. Remember where you actually had to... I'm angered to, by that. Like, what would they even say now where they found the information from? It would just say Google. <laughs> at the, you know, everything. Yeah. There's not, like, quoting <laughs> this book on this source. page. The yeah. sources. The source. <laughs> you know, like, Bibliography is Google. There is no bibliography <laughs> in their no. reports anymore. Yeah, no, Matter of fact, they didn't even write their reports. Yeah. AI. <laughs> they outsourced it. <laughs> I just went to Otter, found a report. There we go. Sorry, Bobby. Uh, yes, uh, we, no. we digress. Anyway, yes. so for, I, I ran a little ad. And I realized that I understood technology and finance, and most copywriters didn't. And the ad just had this silly little headline that said, um, are you tired of copywriters who don't know the difference between a microchip and a potato chip? Wow, good if, line. If so, good hook. and you want professionally written uh, tech, technology and business copy, give me a call. Hmm. I got a bunch of calls. Nobody wanted to hire me. Why? You didn't have a book. I didn't have a book. (laughs) So I just, you know, started telling people, look, whatever you pay your regular writers, I'll write it for 10%. Wow. So because I wanted to get a book. I needed a book. But I also realized that you didn't need a big book. You just needed a couple pieces. So I ended up getting two jobs that were just horribly underpaid, but I didn't care. And I did the best work I could, and I got them in early, and both were accepted, and those built out and got more and more jobs. And so over a period of three, four months, I ended up with a book. Hmm. And um, so it just kind of took off from there. And then, like I said, I was in the technology area, and the one thing I always noticed was at that time, IBM was the biggest publishing company in the world. And it was for the manuals they had. Mm-hmm. And they kind of used the Gillette Razor business model. You buy the Razor cheap, almost free, and you pay for the refills over and over. Yeah. And that's what they did. They resold you the manuals every year. And they updated them every year. And they were just churning out money. And you had to have a license to buy them. And then all their hardware and all their software was licensed from them. You mm-hmm. could use it, but you couldn't change it. And as long as you paid your license, you had you made money. Yeah. So after a while, I thought, you know, I hate writing copy now <laughs> that I have a book. It only took you 20 years yeah. to, to figure it's, that one out? Yeah. It's too much work. Yeah. I'm going to try a licensing model. So I did, and I went in, and I had written a little uh, lead generation letter for a guy um, for a web development company, and they were doing about two, three million a year, and it was a little page and a quarter letter. He sent it out to one potential client, um, and it was in the uh, defense industry, big client. And the client flew him to Washington, D.C. two days later. They had a meeting. He walked out of there with an agreement for a $25 million contract. Mm. So he was pretty happy. So I decided to take that letter and license it to other consultants. Mm. They were a web development consulting agency. So the cool thing about it was all I had to do was spend five, ten minutes at most to customize it. And so I would license it for a fee plus uh, a royalty on whatever they made with it. And the advantage to them was my fee was 
minuscule compared to what it would cost to get a new piece written, mm -hmm. and they were buying something with a proven track record. Mm -hmm. So that worked really well, and I started doing that with other campaigns that I had. Then next step was I took a bunch of them and packaged them and put them into a package of proven marketing campaigns that I would then sell or license to consultants all over the world. The advantage to them, they just take them, plug them in, use them with their clients, make money. The advantage to me is create it once, sell or license it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I got into the world of licensing. And then from there, I started developing toys and software, uh, insurance products, different physical entities that I'd mm -hmm. license to big companies. And again, the idea being create it once and then have somebody else do all of the work or create exactly. it once and then just sell it over and over and over again. Right, and get the leverage either way. So with physical products, the leverage is in licensing it to a large corporation because they've got the, the reach they have is just massive, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I did that really took off was a little toy skateboard with Tony Hawk's logo. Mm -hmm. Well, the company that had that they had to pay Tony $4 million to use his logo. Mm. They put another million and a quarter into production, another million and a half into advertising, and then it was, you know, on every toy store, on Amazon, all these sites, sold all over the world. I wouldn't have had the resources to do that. Mm -hmm. My total investment in the thing was, I think it was like 47 bucks to make my crude little model and demonstrate it mm -hmm. to them. So, you know, the reach and the leverage you get through licensing can be massive. If it's your own stuff, you can license it many, many times to different people. So wait, so just so it sounded like you did it. Oh, sorry, you're going to probably say no. The you're going to do the same thing. Go ahead, Richie. So it sounded like you did the exact opposite with that. You licensed the Tony Hawk stuff. No, I I created. What I did was I took the toy that existed, mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of another way I work with physical products, is I don't invent a new product. So this is like an existing little... Yes. Was this one of these little fingerboard yes, things? Yes, it was a fingerboard. The fingerboard. Exactly. It's right. called a fingerboard. So there was... They existed. The company was selling, I don't know, $20, 30000000 million a year of them. I just made a little improvement to it. Which was just putting his logo on it. No. <laughs> no, and that's kind of where I was going. Like, no, I wondered no, they already had the licensing relationship with him. I created a little piece that went on the tail that had a, a flint embedded in it. So when the kid dragged the tail to make Sparked. it stop, it would spark. And it was called Firefoot. Oh, and that's, sweet. Yeah. So wait, so then, so you, you put a little rock on the end of this thing, and you got some crazy glue, and you taped it on the, or glued it onto the back of this exactly. thing. Exactly. No, 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 it's much more professional than that. I bought a Dremel for 16 bucks and oh. cut up a little piece of plastic ah. to crazy glue on it. Ah. Very professional. Oh, that's a much different yeah. approach. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's, that's the difference between a pro yeah, and an amateur right that's there. That's how I racked up that huge $47 <laughs> debt to So then I don't model. get it. What, what am I missing? If you, a lot, because so right? am I. Like, he made you, money you, by putting a rock on a skateboard. Right. So right. then what did you do with that <laughs> fancy skateboard? I he told to, them. We, yeah, we, yeah, we showed it to the company, and um, they looked at it. They said, wow, this is really cool. Kids will like this. Now, at the time, my son was a big skateboarder, and he was, I don't know, maybe 13, 14, 
And I, I said, and they all played with these things. They play with them in school and get them taken away and get sent to the principal. I said, what do you think of this idea, creating the sparks? He said, oh, that would be really cool. So, you know, I showed it to a lot of kids. That was kind of my focus group. Mm -hmm. And the kids all loved it. So we put together, like I said, this little model of it. Had a, a prototype. Yeah. But prototype. how did you get paid? Like, I, I can go to Starbucks right now because I got this. I always get their reduced fat turkey bacon cheddar sandwich. It's like three bucks and it's 200 calories and it's tasty and delicious. So I've thought for a while, like, maybe I want to put some grape jelly on there. <laughs> like, it would, be, it would be better with some grape jelly. So I could go to them, and I could say, you need to put grape jelly on this, and here's the grape jelly, and here's what it's like. I want a dime for every one of these sandwiches that you sell with grape jelly. Right. I can do that? Um, no. No. But, but that <laughs> is theoretically how it works. Because so, all you did was put a rock on the back of this thing that they already right, had. Right. And it, then you showed it to Tony Hawk? No, I showed it to the company that made the skateboards that had the license with Tony Hawk. Okay, got Hawk. it. So then what? And so... What you have to understand is any product or any service, there are always multiple versions of it, multiple generations. There's 1.0, 1.5, 1.4. I mean, look at the software that you license yeah. for your iPhone. What are we up to now? Version uh, 1.11.3 or something. Yeah, no, I mean, no, it's like version 14.111. Like each time that's up, each time they update it, they add new features, and that brings more people in. They sell mm -hmm. more phones with it. Now we can take a, a picture with your camera upside down, but it looks right side up, or whatever that mm -hmm. feature is. People come up with those features. Some of those features are developed by Apple's R&D department, but others come from outside developers. Mm -hmm. And every major corporation looks for outside developers because they know that nobody can have, can corral every idea that's out there. Mm -hmm. So if you bring... So here we go. So here's, so here's the thing. So I want, I, want, I want my phone to blow gently in my ear mm -hmm. when I'm talking with it. Just gentle. You're so weird. <laughs> the <laughs> examples you I'm come gonna, up with. I'm going to just bend a straw. Wouldn't that be great? Tape it, it just... to the phone and then have it blow your... So I want my iPhone to just blow gently in my ear. So I create something. Is there... What? Why are you looking at me funny? I guess my question what? is... The gentle ear blower, yes. <laughs> How are you not getting in the way of their copyright, trademark, etc.? Patent... I just want to know he gets paid. Yeah. And well, like they could just put a rock on this thing and do it without be, you. Because I'm not selling against them. I'm licensing it to them. It just, all, it strengthens their path. So I guess the question I have is what keeps them, do you go get it patented first? What, keep, what no, keeps them from? I can't patent it. They already hold the patent. So how do you piece. get them to buy your idea that they said you just showed it to me so and we're going to go do it ourselves? Money. Well, yeah. so some companies will sign a non-disclosure agreement, some won't, but I don't care about it. And they're it. not really enforceable anyway, so, but that's I, a whole I other discussion. I don't care about it because the, the thing is, these companies are smart. They're looking for new ideas. They want to sell more of their product. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a 5% royalty, right? If I can bring them something and they're going to sell another $5, 6000000 million of mm -hmm. it and they're going to pay me 5%, they'd be stupid to steal it. Because if they steal it and they get caught, and I've got a paper trail of pre presenting it to them. Okay, that's, the, that's, the, right. that's my answer. And right. how you came you up with the idea. You got a paper trail that you had it first. So right. just, it was, is there any kind of fill out this one piece of paper legal document that helps start that process? Because 
Well, like I, I, I feel said, like I could live in this world. Like you I, I said, certainly I could. Some, <laughs> some companies will sign a non-disclosure agreement. Some won't. It just depends on the company. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, number one, they're better off paying you the 5% because they're going to make a lot of money. And but a lot of them won't even take the meeting, though, because they're afraid that if you present to them an idea that they're already thinking about, then they're going to end up getting sued. No, that's not true. It's not that true. That used to be. Um, no, that was back 30 years ago when we were going through microfiche. Ah. That used to happen. <laughs> it doesn't happen anymore. In fact, companies advertise on their websites. Every major corporation has an inventor's relations hmm. department. Really? So... Um, so, like, if you went on to Apple.com or whatever, there's, like, an inventor absolutely. relations department? Yeah, really? Absolutely. No shit. So this is exciting. That's basically how it works, and the other part of it is, there's no mileage in them stealing it from you. Because if you've come up with a really good idea that's going to make them money that they haven't thought of, mm -hmm. they know that you could come up with two or three more good yeah. ideas. So why, to save a nickel per piece, yeah. why cheat you? I don't know, because but when you get a nickel per piece, across. 10 million units being sold or whatever it is, those uh -oh, nickels math. add up. Yeah. What also sounds like there might be, and correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, you might be more distrusting of people. Oh, God. It's totally, <laughs> like, no, I totally. Because like, you're instantly like, no, they're not going to pay you. They're right. not, they're just going to steal it. They're going to do it on their I own. I have issues. And it sounds like Bob not only is more trusting, but you probably have so many freaking ideas in your head that you're like, I love this because I'll just make up in volume. Some are going to say no, mm -hmm. and right. I know I'm going to have 20 more, so I'm not worried if they even did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, can we can we talk about my lack of trust? That's uh, that, <laughs> yeah, that'll be a, that's, that's where this episode should go session. right now. Let me know, let me give you the trust. short course because I went through it too. Yes, you're Chicago. I'm Detroit. True, true. I've been here 30 years. About another 15 years from now, you'll start trusting people just naturally. The sun, <laughs> the sun does that, that for you. Yeah, so just hang in there. All right. So, um, so by the way, I just I, uh, and Kelly just uh, grabbed this for us. So uh, it, it's called Blowphone.com. So <laughs> blow, blow, uh, it's the Blowphone, and it's Blowphone.com. You can market that to a few yeah, different Yeah, markets. I was going to say, I've seen that in other markets, too. <laughs> and the websites only go to one place. <laughs> you know, every, every, com, yeah. every conversation I do somehow <laughs> steers around to a double entendre. It does. Oh, yeah. but, All right. So, so there's a trouble I want in more, here. I want more examples. More examples. Okay. Because you see opportunity. Right. You see, like, with inventor eyes. Let's use mm -hmm. Podcast Magazine as an example. Is there any licensing opportunities here with something like this? Like, anybody in this room, like Rich or Mary, you know, I know you don't know a lot about us, but, like, the New Media Summit, or um, where you mentioned radio, or like, are those licensing? Sure. So let's take. Sure, absolutely. And I have another example that I'll ask about too. Let's let's take a, a mutual friend of ours, Roland Frazier. Acquaintance, yes. In digital marketer. Okay. <laughs> so Roland doesn't let anyone miss a friend. We're all acquaintances. <laughs> Seriously? So, no, he's no, he's no. Playing. Roland's great. He's great. So, traffic and conversion, War Room. Yes. They're licensing traffic and conversion Europe. Traffic and conversion Asia, traffic and conversion uh, Canada, and I'm, I'm, some of these I'm making up as yeah. I go. But they've got four or five different versions of Ooh, them. We could do that with the New Media Summit Pod, all day long. You New Media Summit, Ooh, you podcast could do a magazine podcast too. magazine, Ooh. podcast magazine Asia. How do Kelly, we get on that magazine? Yeah, Europe. Kelly needs more on our plate. How do we? Um, <laughs> how, how do? So how do you even go about that? And then like, what? What would we? What would be reasonable? 
for us to expect in terms of compensation? Okay, so the first thing, the way you go about it is that you build up an audience. Like See how of, quickly money perks me up? Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm back. Was, I'm back. Right. Here I am. Yes. So a lot of people think, well, if I have this idea, I'm going to write it down, and Starbucks is going to pay me $140 million to put jelly on their sandwich. That's a very naive inventor. <laughs> Steve? <laughs> Only things that have sold, that have a track record, will really be immediately licensable. Mm. If you have something that's so big that it's disrupting an industry, you're not going to license it. You're going to have to get venture capital and create it. And that's a whole different mm -hmm. ball game. One mm -hmm. I'm not interested in. Too much risk, too much time. So, so the yeah. thing is, what will happen is as Podcast Magazine grows, you'll naturally get people reaching out to you to do different deals. Mm -hmm. Gee, could we do an event here in Amsterdam? Gee, could we do an you event? Right to the first place I was thinking. That's exactly. <laughs> could we do an event here in, Van your phone there too. in Vancouver? <laughs> right. Yes. And, and uh, Rio de Janeiro, blowphones are big there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so It's a lonely place when you're a female in this <laughs> crowd. <laughs> um, so once you build a track record, People start approaching you, mm -hmm. and those are the people you'll negotiate with. Now, man, I've got bad. Like my my track is is off. Like I gotta I gotta I gotta fix my track. People don't come to me. Like I've been doing this over a long time. People don't come to me. What am I doing? Like I well, gotta, well, the, that, what am I doing? Okay, that was the first piece of it. The other piece is you can just reach out to you your be, list. You and say likable. Oh, look, damn it. <laughs> yeah, let's reach out to the list. We're doing podcasts live in San Diego this month. Mm-hmm. Would you like to do East Coast, Podcast Live New York? If you're in New York and you'd like to present this, get in touch with us. That's a good event Great. name right there, Bob. Why haven't I thought about that one? Well, now I got to go online and grab it. So, he's, he's on GoDaddy. I am. Already. I got to grab it right now. So the bottom line, it sounds like it's, it's not that much unlike the publisher industry. Like You're not going to get published by someone unless you have an audience. There, there could be a great book, but they're not going to give you some upfront money Damn because it. they're gonna, they they want to know why Take someone's it. already got it. Oh, you, so was Podcast Magazine. You That's bought true. it That's too. True so who cares? Think big. So, lesson one in this particular case, and so if you're like have a course or you wrote a book or you have something that you think someone else could do for you, start by just building up your audience so much that someone within your audience or someone who wants access to a similar audience will start to reach out to you. Absolutely. So you yes, want to flip it and talk about using it in the other direction? Sure. When you license from other people? Sure, I got caught up in domain land there. Sorry. Yes, okay. please. So real <laughs> domain land, that's right. Real quickly, is blowphone.com taken? <laughs> uh, Hold on, I got to look for right now. Real quickly. Um, I know that one's available. So on. people make a, and, and especially people in the internet age, make huge mistakes in their business, and that is they sell one or two products only. It's available! <laughs> and, and they get very protective of, of their domain. But it's foolish, because if you look at anybody's domain, nobody is making more than 3 to 5% penetration into any market. But what's worse than that is your customers don't look at just your touch point. On the customer journey, there may be 
5, 10, 20 different things they need. If you're not offering those to them, you're losing a lot of money. So the easiest way to offer a lot of different things that your customers really want, get them more engaged with you and make more money, is to license them from other companies. Mm. You can do that and sell them every day for the rest of your life, or you can do that and sell them and find the ones that really have a lot of traction and then create your own version. So what would be a, a benefit of licensing, say, because I have mutual friends with like Matt and Joe, they like affiliate. And so it's similar, it's different, right? There's not a contract, but they're selling, to right. your point, they're okay, selling Matt, other people. Joe are a great example. They're not really affiliates. They look like affiliates, but they're not. Um, so because affiliates all get a crappy rate, about, what, 10 15% in general. Because, and the reason for that is affiliates never sell anything. Mm. Affiliates really want the affiliate discount so they can buy the product for themselves at a discount. Mm. But Matt and Joe go in, and they are doing true licensing and they negotiate a much better rate. So say anywhere from 30 to 50%. And they represent, and Matt and Joe are really smart, they've done exactly what I'm talking about. They've tracked their customer journey, and they have products that fit most of the touch points of that journey. So what happens when they promote them? Number one, they're getting they're getting their customers a great deal on these products. Number two, and more importantly, go Google any product. I don't care what it is. Go, go Google um, uh, herbal iced tea. You, herbal iced tea recipes, okay? Let's say you wanted to make an herbal iced tea recipe book. Mm. You'll find 130,000 to 10 million entries. How do you know what's good? So in their case, let's say they're selling Curating um, it. shopping cart software. Go out and put in shopping cart software. You're going to get about 45,000 results. It drives people crazy. When they come to their customers and say, you need a shopping cart, we've done the work for you. Here's a demo we made of this shopping cart. We use it, and we know you're going to love it. No, no, no. You're getting higher customer engagement. You're getting higher customer loyalty because you're giving them more value, both in having done the research, getting them a good price, and solving a problem for them. So everywhere along that touch point, you're making money. Here's the other thing that people don't understand about this. When you sell somebody else's product, you don't take any of the orders. Mm. You don't process the credit cards. You don't have customer service. You don't do fulfillment, none of that. Mm. You just collect a commission check. You've sent out an email to get that commission check. So everything you collect, it's about, what, 99% profit? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So well, that's how licensing works in the other direction. It comes mm. still comes back to your point, though. Either direction you go, build that audience. That's, that's right. With Matt and Joe, too, right? That's you right. want to build that audience because even though you pass them on, and well, that's probably not the best phrase, but you you pass them on. They went and bought for the Thrive Card or whatever shopping cart they're doing, and now um, you get a commission back, but that customer still feels loyalty to you. 
like you you still you, you still kind of own the customer that's not really the right phrase well, i want you, to use you, but no, short, you, you, you shorten their learning curve you, yeah. you 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 benefited them by doing the work that needed to be done in order to find the right solution mm-hmm so, so they want to keep coming back right. at you, and now they want other products. Right. You're building layer upon layer upon layer of them trusting and liking you. Mm-hmm. And the more of those layers you build, the sooner you have a large collection of customers for life. Yeah. So and we're going to run out of time here, and you know, we've got about nine minutes left or so. So I just want to make sure we, we cover as many of the bases here as we possibly can. So what is the – if there was a, a first step – that someone could take to try to figure out if either something they had was viable to license or if they had an, uh, an audience that was viable to present other products or other licensed items you know, to and then receive a, mm-hmm. a commission off of that? What, what are some of the steps that folks can take out of the gate? Okay, so first of all, it's important to understand that any asset you have can be used in a licensing arrangement. Mm-hmm. Probably the most potent asset every company has that they can use in licensing is their list. Mm. Email list. Your your email list. Because the people on your list, if you're putting out good content, they know and trust you to Mm -hmm. some extent. Mm -hmm. Customers more than prospects, obviously, because customers have not only consumed your content, but they bought your product or service, and you've over-delivered, and they like you for that. So, but there's other assets you have. There's your current products and services, old products and services you don't sell anymore, any intellectual property you may have created for, your, for running your business. It could be an accounting system, a marketing system, um, uh, just anything at all. There's a company, real quick story, called Springfield Manufacturing. They're in, in our old neck of the woods in the Mideast. They remanufacture blown-up engines for uh, uh, big, heavy farm equipment and stuff mm. like that. They do about $14 million a year. Just repairing these engines. Repairing these engines. Mm, They've taken every system they have, and there's like 16 of them. There's their accounting system, their IT system, their marketing, their procurement, their metal treatment. And they've created little spin-off companies around them. And for the most part, they sell stuff, but they do some licensing too. So again, $14 million from the core product, $220 million a year from leveraging those assets what? they created for the company. How? What is that? Like, what are they doing? They spun off these 16 companies selling their different systems, their accounting system, their procurement system, their metal treating system, their IT system, Mm -hmm. all these different things. That's crazy. That's the reach that you get when you start to understand the immense value that's just locked up in your assets that you aren't taking care of. Oh, man. That's crazy. So Kelly is worth $220 million. We just have to figure out how to license all the things that she <laughs> does and put those into systems. That's awesome. All right, so we'll have to Watch figure out. Watch out. She's going to be texting you for a raise. I know, right? I want to raise, I want to raise, I want to raise. That's fine. You go out and get $220 million, you can have all the raise you want. All I want is 10%, and you can keep the rest. Uh, all right. Uh, let's, so, so, Bob, Okay, yes. so that's yes. the first step is understanding the value of assets. 20% then, I like. The next step is what we talked about already. You've got to, you've got to map your customer's journey. 
if your customer is buying lead generation training from you, what were the steps before that that got them there? Mm. What are the steps after that? What other things are they logically going to want? Mm. Now, which of those do you use in your business that you can find and provide to them or do you already have or that you might want to create? But the first thing is understanding that all your assets are licensable or at least most of them. And the second thing, that the most important piece probably is understanding that your customer isn't a one-point buyer. They're on a journey, just like you. If you buy, I bought a big screen TV a couple of years ago to, for a Super Bowl party I was throwing. Within five minutes of it being delivered, my wife took one look at the TV table and said, oh, no, 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 that color is all wrong for this TV. We need a new TV table. So she goes to Ethan Allen, and $4,000 later, we <laughs> have, have a, a nice new TV, TV table. table. Four it's times a, the cost of the TV. It's a quarter of a shade lighter than the TV table we had. Well, now, that's no good. We need new curtains and paint. <laughs> and then I look at it and say, well, if I'm having this party, I've oh, got to have, uh, you know, uh, a new Wi-Fi system to stream <laughs> things, and I've got to have a, a surround sound system and boy, I better get a pizza maker so we don't have to order pizza because oh it's hard getting pizza delivered on Super Bowl. I think that little $2,700 purchase ended up costing me 30 grand. <laughs> but that's the journey that every customer has, and it doesn't matter what the product or the service is. Mm. So when once you map that journey yeah. and you just match what you can offer to people for those points, and it doesn't have to be every point in the journey, mm -hmm. but the more you cover, the more options you have. Mm -hmm. So so you really have to have your own list to yes. make this work? Yes, or a track record of sales. There are companies that sell stuff and don't have a list, but um, but if, if they sold $10, $20 million worth of something, they can license it. Mm -hmm. cool. Interesting. Yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of food for thought. And and are you so are, are you are you still in the game, man? Are you are you still looking for things to license? Are you helping? Oh, yeah, are yeah, you yeah, helping no, people? No, I'm, I'm working on a, a a a new toy for a major celebrity right now as we speak. Mm -hmm. You put a rock on a jump rope, and every time you do it, it sparks, <laughs> yeah, sparks, exactly, sparks. sparks. And uh, that's actually a really freaking good idea. It's actually good. I just hold on, jump rope. Back what what do we call that it thing? The, the kid in the face. I got it. That's right. It could be Steve's called gonna Sparky get sued Face. Instead. <laughs> sparky Face. Spark gets, rope. Yeah. Ooh, spark rope. Hold on. So Sparkrope.com. You're coming up with an idea for a toy? Blowphone.com is available. For a celebrity? Or you're coming up with what? I don't get it. It depends. With Our celebrities, one of the advantages is now, in, in, in this right. case, the celebrity has a number of uh, published New York Times bestsellers. Damn it, it's taken. So we're <laughs> taking some of the content from that and creating the toy around that. But again, my approach, which is different than other inventors' approaches, is that I would never invent something new. Mm -hmm. I'm either going to take something that's selling really well and make an improvement to it, or I'm going to take a celebrity and take what they already have and glom that, which is a professional inventing term, as I smack the mic. Mm -hmm. I'm going to glom that onto some toy or board game. Mm -hmm. Because right, 
we, hold on, because I want to give you an opportunity here. So, uh, because we're going to run out of time, and I don't want that to happen. So, are you are you helping people? Like, if people want um, help with things, are you? Yes, I do. I do have another do client who I'm helping license their intellectual property to other companies. I do do that. Okay. So, uh, where do they go to learn about that? Sparksrope.com. S P A R X R O P E. That one's available. Build so there your we go. audience first. Sparksrope. There we go. That's with an X, not it. Not a, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Bobby. Yes. Where okay, do they go? So, uh, I have a, a website called licensinglab.com. Okay. And if they go there, the homepage is uh, gives a free ebook called The Licensing Solutions, and it shows 11 different ways to take the assets you already have and turn them into six figure profit centers. Oh, that's awesome. For reals? Yeah. Okay. And so, so I like it. You're, it, you're, you're showing by example. You're building your list as as they come to get that book, right? <laughs> I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely smart. By example, super this smart. Is good. And uh, and so first, um, for, I can't really say first at the end of the you know at the end of the interview, but I can say um, thank you. It's an honor and a privilege to have you here. I mean, we've been trying to get you here for a while, so I'm glad it uh, I'm glad it finally worked out. I'm glad to have it you. did and, too. And, and and specifically, I'm glad it worked out for you to come in studio. Because it's uh, it's always better when you're when you're hanging out in studio and uh, and sparksrope.com it's s p a r x r o p e that would be me I just grabbed it I'm doing it I'm totally doing it like we make jump roping fun again come on this is it I did it I, it only took me you never this. know what are you rolling your eyes for that's because a good one what Mary if it hits the kid in the head oh, he's got yeah, a mortuary no no no, that, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, right plus. Plus the, the customer journey. Listen to Bob. Come on. Plus, plus the kid's going to wear a helmet. That's true. The kid's going to wear a helmet with a thin metal plate on it. So when it hits him, the sparks shoot way even bigger. That's oh, awesome. that's hilarious. That's going to be the good so tagline. Irreverent. So there we go. So that's the full profit path. Right? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm we're totally working that in now, man. That's the end. Every, I got the whole journey yeah. covered. Oh, man. All right, Bobby, we're going to have to let you go. Bobby Sterling, definitely check out all of your things going on there. And I uh, really appreciate you hanging out with us, my friend. My pleasure. Thank you all. I really enjoyed being here. Yeah, man. For That's great. Mary Goulet and Richie Ote, I'm Steve Olsher. We'll talk to you guys next time here on Reinvention Radio. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com. 